Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to another episode of So I Married a Horror Fan. We are now in the glorious, glorious month of May and it's uh, it's uh, a little bit of a, a little bit of a, an interesting one this month. We're looking at space horror all mm -hmm. month. Um, as you know, we did uh, a lovely episode on Event Horizon this Monday just gone. So we're back once again with a 5x5. Five five. I'm Simon. I'm Lee. And uh, today we are looking, because it's a space horror month and it's all space themed, we are looking at our top five aliens in popular culture. Aliens popular culture. For those of you at home who do not know how this works, I'm about to explain it. For those of you that have listened to 5x5 five five before, you know how it works. For those of you that haven't, here's how it works. We pick a topic. We pick five, our top five based on that topic and three honourable mentions. One of us will go first, say our three honourable mentions and our number five. The second one will then do the same. And then we will go back and forth until all of our top fives have been done. So I wanted to narrow it down a little bit. Actually, no, it's not narrowing it down. I wanted to broaden the horizon on this one and make it top five aliens in popular culture to give you a little bit more of an opportunity to uh, have no a bit more have a bit more of a variety of things that you were looking to pick. So, without the further ado, I'm going to go first. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do my top three honourable mentions and my number five. Yeah. So... My honourable mentions. My number three honourable mention is Sil from Species hmm. and Species 2, as played by Natasha Henstridge. I think trying to explain this movie to Lee using the quote alien sex movie really kind of uh, put you off watching it. But yeah, I watched Species. It came out like 95. So I think I saw this movie for the first time when I was 10. I think it's the first movie I watched with a lot of gratuitous nudity in it because Natasha Henstridge is like very afraid of clothes in this movie, I would say. But she basically, the long and the short of it is they capture an alien who looks like a human or can disguise herself as a human. And the idea is that she's meant to be a beautiful woman who has sex with human hosts to carry on the like genesis of her species basically and for the most part of the movie she looks like natasha henstridge running around just being really sexy um and it's got michael madsen forrest whitaker and alfred molina in it mm -hmm. and the woman from csi whose name i can't remember okay. um but yeah it's one of those really cheesy gory schlocky b movies and she's in two of them she's in this and she's in species two um but yeah, the fact that she's like a really tall blonde woman probably definitely helps. Mm -hmm. uh, my number two, alien in a popular culture, E.T. It's your boy, E.T. Yeah. E. Uh, I love E.T. I loved it as a kid. I think it's great. Um, I don't know, have you ever seen E.T.? Yeah. Uh, I like the E.T. ride. I enjoyed the E.T. ride. I'm not a big fan of the film. I think I saw it a little bit too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just never resonated with me. In fact, no, I'd have seen it when I was quite young still. I think it's never... I'm not a big Alien fan. So it just never really resonated with me. Also, the discussion over the years has been as E.T. a Jedi as well. Because in yes. Phantom Menace, you see a lot of E.T.'s creatures, or E.T.'s species, in uh, the Phantom Menace pod race. Hmm. And they're there at the Senate in the Revenge of the Sith as well. And then, obviously, there's a kid dressed like Yoda in E.T. And E.T. recognises him. So, I don't know if E.T. and... Yoda were boys. 
I love the fact that it is basically canon that E.T. and Yoda have interacted at some point. Yeah. I reckon they're boys. I reckon they're boys. They, like, hang out on Saturdays, watch football, chug yeah. beers. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know what bros do when they're alone. I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah, I like E.T. I mean, I don't like a lot of Spielberg's movies, but E.T.'s great. Um, I could have put Close Encounters as a third kind on here, but I was like, nah, I'm good. Um, my number one honourable mention, mm-hmm. Alf. He's the little car... Well, he's not a cartoon, but it was like a TV show. Yeah. When it ended, it was really sad. It was implied that he got captured. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Alf is like a wise, a wise cracking... He looks like an aardvark. He's a wise cracking... Uh, puppet alien who crash lands on earth and like lives with a family and it's a sitcom there is a picture somewhere of me as a child somewhere between the age of two and five wearing alf pajamas that my parents bought me um, Solid. we were big on alf in our household um i just love like i'm really annoyed there's not a streaming service in the uk that shows alf um, but yeah, like it's implied in the last episode that he's like on the run from the FBI and that they're going to do horrible things to him. Um, but yeah, the show got cancelled and they never resolved what actually happened to Alf. So he either got away and he like is living with a new family and he's chilled or he got captured by the FBI and fucked up. But no one really knows. Solid. Um, but yeah, man, I love Alf. Alf is my boy. Um, so my number five if we're moving on to my top list, uh-huh. is the Greys, which are the main aliens that run through uh, X-Files. X-Files. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're basically, they basically look like what everybody suspects an alien looks like. They're the little, thin, gangly, grey guys with the weird heads and the big black eyes. But like, the central, like, sub, the central plot of the X-Files is that basically the Greys are a form of extraterrestrials that have somehow got a universal fucking government going on. And they're like, they've been working with the government of the world for like a very long time to create like peace, to create one new world order between the aliens and the humans as like one government and one society. Hmm. Um, There's a lot more to it than that, but they pop up every now and then you see a few of them in the movies because it's implied that they first came to earth like in caveman times and they fucking killed a caveman and there's some shit with some black ooze and some fucking bees and all kinds of nonsense bees yeah there's some fucking there's some colonized african bees or and some shit um one of them stings scully and it's like the bees man but yeah they weave in and out of the alien like they weave in and out of the x-files and i guess to be honest they're not just like necessarily canon to the x-files because they are like what everybody thinks of when they think of an alien uh-huh. um some of them are green some of them are gray but i specifically chose the x-files version because i fucking love the x-files so there you go. cool so my honorable mentions number three on my honorable mentions is the xenomorph I was going to say, I was expecting you to be like... Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Number two of my honourable mentions is Grogu. Ha ha! Little prick. Little prick. Grogu, for anyone who doesn't know, is Baby Yoda. Yeah. For anyone who hasn't seen Mandalorian, (coughs) uh, it's what Baby Yoda is actually called. Um, He's just fucking cute, man. Mm -hmm. And he's a little shit. Mm-hmm. And he kind of reminds me of our cat. 
Well, that's all I've really got to say about him. Like, Mandalorian's just a fun bro adventure. He with reminds him and... me also of our friend's child as well. Um, I don't want to say her name, but you know who I mean. We bought her a jacket with Grogu on the back. I know exactly who you mean, but I love that you're like, our friend's child. The, the small, ti- the tiny one. The tiny murder baby. The tiny murder baby. Yeah, actually, yeah, they do. Um, they have similar energy. They have very similar energy. Um, but yeah, Grogu's just cute. So he kind of had to go on the list. He's really powerful as well. He's super powerful, but mostly he's just adorable. He was in the book of Boba Fett as well. I haven't watched it yet. He turns up in an episode of that because he's with Luke Skywalker. He's one of Luke's first Jedi trainees, Mm. which means he was likely in that temple that fucking Kylo Ren burned down. I'm sure we'll find out at some point. Yeah, maybe. Uh, And then my number one honourable mention is the aliens. The claw. Oh, shit. I didn't put these little motherfuckers on my list. I should have done. I so, have. There's one of them. I know. Over there somewhere. I there don't is. particularly care for Toy Story, mm-hmm. as we know. The Squeeze Toy Aliens are called. Aren't the they? Squeeze Toy Aliens. They do have names, I'm sure, but I'm I pretty sure they're, they're just referred to as Squeeze Toy Alien. <laughs> on the box, my toy it just says Alien. He's there. Yeah. He's there. Look. Oh yeah, Alien. Um, like he, they're just fun and adorable like i'm not a big fan of toy story i never have been but like the one thing from toy story that has always stuck with me is the little alien squeeze toys Mm. because the scene of them in the claw machine is potentially the best scene toy story ever created Mm -hmm. and that's it that's that's all i have to say yeah because i'm pretty sure in the first movie woody rescues one of them because sid uses it as like a dog chew toy i think because they're in all of the toy story movies uh yeah they're in all four of the movies but yeah that awesome um i have i have one i have a stuffed one Mm -hmm. that you you press a stuff hand that says the coming of our master demand celebration because i have one of them and i have a lots of hugging bear that smells like strawberries as well yes yeah i love those guys number five on my list my actual list, my real life actual list of five aliens that I actually like in pop culture. Mm-hmm. Number five, the Weeping Angels. Are they aliens? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I've always assumed they are. Like, I thought they were ghosts, personally. No, they're not ghosts. Why would they be ghosts? I don't fucking know. I don't actually know what they are, to be honest. So... For anyone who is unaware as to what a weeping angel is, a weeping angel is an, an alien from Doctor Who. Yes, and they're basically the the stone statue aliens that you the aliens angels that you see in graveyards are them. And if they touch you, so they can't move when you're looking at them. But the minute you look away, they can move. And if they touch you, they don't kill you. They send you back in time, and they live off of the remaining life energy that you would have had if you'd stayed in the modern day. Didn't they turn the Doctor into one in the last... They did indeed. And it was the very last episode, wasn't it? No, because we see her again. Oh, okay. Uh, in The Flux, you're thinking of. Yeah. Um, so they are aliens because they work for... Or they work with... The Santorans? The Santorans? I think they were called the Santorans. Is the Santorans the potato-headed cunts? No. Oh, God. Those are the Sontarans. Sontarans, there we go. Sontar. Um, (laughs) 
So it got very geeky very quickly. But the Weeping Angels are one of the most interesting Doctor Who villains. They were specifically made for the reboot of Doctor Who, so they're not from the original show. And they are by far, I think, as a modern fan of Doctor Who, not somebody who grew up watching like the original Doctors, the scariest Doctor Who villain. And I know that might cause some uproar because I know a lot of people think it's the Cybermen and the Daleks. I honestly think the angels are the scariest Doctor Who monsters because they exist in the real world. Mm-hmm. You see the angels in the graveyards. And also it's implied in one episode that every statue is actually a weeping angel. And mm-hmm. it's not only the angels. I think it's implied at the very end of Blink when it zooms in on like the gargoyles on the buildings and like other statues in the area. Which is terrifying. And also then, in later, you get like you get more backstory to the angels the more time you meet them. And like anything that contains the image of an angel is also an angel. And they can possess people and turn them into angels. Jesus Christ. Like, it gets really crazy. But they... There's... There's like seven or eight episodes now the angels have appeared in. And three of those episodes are my all-time favourite Doctor Who episodes, which are angels... And then it's um, Don't Blink. And then there's the two-part where you meet River Song with Matt Smith's Doctor for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't think what the episodes are called, but it's like a two-parter. But yeah, the Weeping Angels are terrifying, and I love them for that. And also I have terrifying nightmares about Weeping Angels, and I don't like Stone Angels anymore. Ruined that for me. Jesus Christ. So there we go, that's my number five. All right. <clears throat> my number four. Yep. The Necromorphs. From Dead Space. Sure. They are from the video game franchise Dead Space. The first one of which came out in 2008, where you play as the engineer Isaac Clark. Uh, there are three games in total, and the first game is being remade currently for uh, PS5. Mate, Dead Space is a brown pants game. It's mm-hmm. like Resident Evil in space. So it kind of is a big mix between Resident Evil and Sunshine and a little bit of Event Horizon. So you're like you basically get called out to uh, visit this like ship. There's like there's a distress signal and you go and everyone's been killed by these fucking necromorphs. They kind of look a little bit like the Cloverfield monster mixed with like other spindly like things, but there's different versions of them. And the whole point is you're supposed to like the whole thing of the game is like you're supposed to dismember them so you have like a laser cutter thing Mm. that you can like fucking cut their arms and legs off with but you often hear them a lot before they come and there's like in each of the games there's like different versions of them and stuff but they're just fucking relentless and terrifying and the game is really poorly lit and the fucking sound design is scary so i remember playing the first dead space game and absolutely shitting myself um and john carpenter said for a long time that he really wanted to make a film version and quite why the some film company hasn't just fucking taken a truck of money and just dumped it outside of his house i'll never know um i've wanted to see a dead space movie for a really long time but the thing is the thing i find interesting about them is the design more than anything because they are really creepy and really terrifying and the thing is like you can cut an arm or a leg off and they'll keep going. Like, you have to literally fucking dismember them uh, until they stop. So, like, when there's, like, three or four of the cunts coming towards you, you're just like, fuck's sake. Um, But, yeah, I love Dead Space. Um, The first two games are amazing. The third game's all right. But, yeah, Necromorphs from Dead Space get my number four slot just for being brown pants inducing. Fair enough. My number four... Mm -hmm. It's Audrey 2. 
Yeah, because she's a mean green mother from outer space. Feed Miss Seymour! Um, Little Shop of Horrors is one of the greatest musical horror films ever made. Mm-hmm. The remake, I haven't seen the original, so I can't talk for the original. I'm talking about the 80s remake. 70s remake? 80s. 80s. Um, and Audrey is... I've never found her massively scary. Him, her, them. We'll call Audrey a them, because I'm never sure... I think the plant is male, but he doesn't. Seymour doesn't know that, so he gives her a female name. They. We'll just call. We'll just yeah. call the plant they to avoid um, any kind of confusion. Um, but there is something intrinsically cruel about Audrey, too, and still quite scary. Even though I think they're adorable most of the time, until they turn into the full-blown massive monster Audrey. That they're still kind of cute, mm-hmm. and I would, I would a hundred percent be Seymour in that situation. Like I would find an Audrey plant and be like, "Oh, it's cute," and I'd be like, "Oh, it drinks blood. That's fine. Like I can give it blood. Mm-hmm. It's not a problem." And I would probably find a few people to feed to it. Like no problem. I'd be like, "Fine." Yikes. I just like I like Audrey. I think they're really cool. I think they're fun. I know you're quite scared of them, aren't you? Yeah, I used to be when I was a kid. Yeah, because I think it was like one of the first things I found out. Because you'd, you'd I'd seen, never seen you'd the never film. seen the film. You'd only ever seen pictures of Audrey. Mm. And then yeah, when we watched it, you were like, "Yeah, I'm actually really scared of Audrey." Yeah, so when I was a kid, I used to. Have, I think I mentioned this on our episode of Things That Scare Us. I was like, when I was a kid, I used to have like fucking nightmares about that plant being in the middle of my bedroom, and I used to have to sleep under my bed sheets. Because I was scared that that plant was going to be in the middle of my room and it was going to fucking eat me. So there you go. Feed me, Simon. No. Fuck. Fuck that. <laughs> but yeah. So Audrey, too. My number two. Fuck that, motherfucker. Um, my number three is the Yowcher from Predator. It is the Predator. Is that what they're actually called? Yeah, the species in Predator are called Yauchers. I did not know uh, I think the Yauchers are really fucking cool. They are like the galaxy's big game hunters. Um, I think they have a really cool design, vagina mouths aside. Like, I think the dreadlocks look really cool. I think they look cool when they've got the armour on, they've got the metal helmets, and you can't really see their faces. Obviously, when the mask comes off, they've got those really unique uh, mouths. Um, and I just think, like... They've got less interesting the more the movies have gone on. Like a lot of these things, they go, they get less interesting the more movies that you have because they overexpose them. But I think the first two Predator movies are fucking great. Like seeing them hunt fucking Navy SEALs or commandos in a fucking jungle. And then in the second movie, he's literally in the streets of LA fucking stringing up drug dealers. Um, I think the fact that they are like hunters and they collect trophies, they collect skulls of spines attached to them. And it's implied that they've gone to like different, they've existed through different periods of time and they go across the galaxy like hunting different species. Like in Predator 2, when Danny Glover's on the ship, there's like a dinosaur skull, a xenomorph skull, like a gun from the 1700s. There's all these different trophies that they've collected that kind of implies that they've been around for a very long time. Um, And they have like heat vision which is really cool so they can like you can't even like hide from them because of your body heat and there's like the implication that they um also were like one of the first 
things to visit Earth before Earth became inhabited by human beings, which mm -hmm. I think is really fascinating. There is a new Predator movie coming out this year called Prey, which is going to take place in the 17th century, and they're going to take on Comanche Indians, oh. which is going to be fucking awesome. Very excited for that. Um, and I also like the fact that they can, like, record human dialogue. Like, there's a scene in, I think, the second one where they, like, record a bit of dialogue from a kid and, like, they use it to kind of, like, trap their prey. I just think the whole idea of Predators is really fucking cool. Um, and then, especially in the third movie, they've got, like, a, a like an island, which is, like, a game reserve. They just fucking drop people on it and just hunt them down. It's really fucking interesting. It gets a bit convoluted when they team up with the aliens, but, like, everything else about them is just really fucking cool. I just really like them. I think that everything from the design to the way they are to the way they use, like they can go fucking invisible and do all kinds of shit. Um, I think it's really fucking cool. Oh. Love the Predator. Fair enough. I have no feelings on the Predator. Man number three. Man number three. Yeah, because I went first. Yeah. I was like, is it? Yeah, so my number three, guys, is uh, just a sweet transvestite. I did wonder if this From was... transsexual. Trans I did wonder, because like, technically they are aliens. Yes, it is Dr. Frankenfurter from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, isn't it all of them? Isn't all it... of them are aliens. Well, obviously, apart from um, Janet and Brad. Because it's him, Riff Raff. It's uh, him, Riff Raff. Oh, and the two girls. The two girls whose names I've completely the one, forgotten. The one that's got the red hair with the little hat on. And the one Magenta who went, is Magenta, one of them. Magenta, who's the little maid uniform. Yeah, with the curly hair. And I don't know who the other woman is. I can't the other woman is the one who's that's the one who's dating um, Eddie. Eddie. R.I.P. Meatloaf. Yeah, that um, Who gets turned into a meatloaf in this movie. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I love Rocky Horror Picture Show. I have loved Rocky Horror Picture Show since I was quite young. It is one of the things I share with my stepmom. Mm -hmm. So me and her will get wine drunk every so often and watch it when I'm visiting. Do you know? It's like a thing we do. Especially yeah. when we've had a sad day, we will go get wine drunk and watch Rocky Horror Picture Show together. The weird thing about the Rocky Horror Picture Show is I've never seen the stage show. Mm -mm. I remember Time Warp being massive when we were at school because mm -hmm. they would play it at like fucking school discos. Mm -hmm. There was like a mega mix mashup that they used to play. Yeah. And it's like one of those things is like widely regarded. Like when you, you know, like at Christmas time when they're like, the world's number one top 100 musicals on BBC Two. It's like nine o'clock on Christmas Eve. This movie always scores really highly and it's a really mainstream film considering what it's actually about. And the third act of this movie Gets goes fucking really weird. fucking weird, man. Yeah, it's a weird film. So. Dr. Frankenfurter is A, not only Tim Curry. He's not actually a doctor. I mean, we don't know. <laughs> he could be a doctor on his home planet. How dare you? It's just a really weird Frankenstein movie. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, but he's played by the amazing Tim Curry. The movie that made me realise that potentially, maybe not straight. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe not straight. Um... Because I adore Tim Curry. I'm madly in love with him in this film. I have been since I was like nine or ten years old. Which is mildly, just mildly worrying. It was written by, what's his name, it. Richard O'Brien. Yes, he plays Riff Raff. Yeah, who's the fucking Crystal Maze guy. He's the guy. Crystal Maze guy. He's the Crystal Maze guy. He is indeed. 
Um, and it's such a fun film. And Frankenfur is such a fun character. Especially once you start to get to know his character outside of being like the boisterous like doctor who's like insane and you start realizing like maybe he isn't completely evil and you're like oh no he's evil and you're like is he because uh-huh. he doesn't want to go back to his home planet yeah everyone else does and he's trying to fuck it up basically. yeah because it's, it's riffraff and the other two magenta that like... and well she's dead i think by the this yeah. point the third but one. riffraff's like the one that's like he's he's a fucking he does a massive heel turn at the end of the movie and kills frank and Fur. yeah he's just fucking he's got that really shit haircut and the weird fucking gun and he just yeah everything about that movie and there's like a sequel slash spin-off shot Shock treatment. Treatment, yeah. Which I, I don't know if it's a it. sequel or if it's just set in the same universe because Brad and Janet it. are in it. Damn it, Janet! Um, but no, a Rocky Horror Show is a again one of my favourite movies of all time, and B, um, Doctor Frankenfurter is such a great character, and uh, I also love what's his face, Rocky. Mm-hmm. But Rocky, Rocky is Rocky. a Frankenstein, not yeah. an alien, so he doesn't. The sword of Damocles is hanging over my head. Such a good film. And I, 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 would, I would say, if you've never seen Rocky Horror Picture Show, go and watch it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I doubt that there's many people out there now who have never seen it. Potentially some younger listeners haven't seen it. Yeah. Science uh, fiction. Double feature. We it, have a badge with that We one, do. Oh, um, it's a phenomenal film and it's got some great characters. And damn it, Janet is uh, probably one of the best openings to a film ever. I always forget this movie opens with Richard O'Brien and Patricia Quinn, who plays Magenta, as fucking American Gothic. Mm-hmm. And also, side note, Patricia Quinn is one of the three witches in uh, Lords of Salem by Big Bobby Z. Oh, well, there you go. Fun times. There's my number three, guys. My number two. Mm-hmm. I am Groot. I am Groot. I am Groot. Do you know what my number two is, babe? I am Groot. I am Groot. I am Groot. Yeah, he's a sentient alien tree, bro. He is. What? They, there's a name. They have a name. Yeah, I can't remember what the name it's is. It's got an S. Yeah, it's like some kind of tree type name. I'm going to go Google it because I did know but it. Yeah, Groot, Groot is fucking awesome. Um, he he actually is able to speak, but I think he's got damaged vocal cords. Because his, his uh, species can actually talk. Mm-hmm. But I think... Uh, Flora Colossus. Yeah, because I think Rocket references it in the first movie. He says that he's got a damaged voice box, so his like linguistics is not so good. Or he says something along those lines. But like, there are many different versions of Groot. In the comic books, there is the adult version of Groot, who is the main version that we see throughout the Guardians of the Galaxy and related Marvel comics. In one of the Marvel vs. Capcom games, there is King Groot, who is an older, more Ent-looking version of Groot. Mm -hmm. And then in the MCU, we've seen Adult Groot, Baby Groot, Teen Groot, um, and we're probably likely to see some, like, early 20s Groot, I imagine, in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Oh, no. All of... So, all of them speak, I am Groot. That's all they say. Mm -hmm. Um, Due to the fact that their larynxes are hardened... Yeah, there you go. But they were all actually talking and they're saying real things. Also, um, Groot's full name, just for a fun fact, is His Divine Majesty King Groot the Twenty Third, Monarch of Planet X, Custodian of Branchworlds, and Ruler of All the Shades. There you go. Which means that he is uh, was 
educated by the finest arbor master, making him super duper smart. Also, they, they teach, apparently they teach Groot as an elective in Asgard. <laughs> I know, as um, a Thor, Thor can talk to him in Infinity War. In, yeah. Yeah, because like, yeah, he's like he he says I am Groot and, and um, it's when he responds he goes you speak you speak Groot and he's like yes it was an elective <laughs> yeah because Rocket can speak it as well but I assume I assume like Rocket like I've always assumed that Rocket's relationship with Groot is similar to Han Solo and Chewbacca like Han Solo spent so much time with Chewbacca from like such a young age mm. that they like he learned how yeah. to kind of understand what he means. And the thing is, is I think means. by the time Infinity War and that rolls round, like Star Lord has learned some as well. Yeah, because I'm assuming it's a tonal language. Yeah, much like kind of like um not in a similar vein like Chinese and yeah. um, Thai and stuff like that. Like it's very tonal, so different tones mean different things. My favorite thing is um so. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Vin Diesel, who voices him in the movies, has two different scripts. So he has the script with that everyone else has. So he has the full shooting script that all of the cast have. And then he has a separate one that will say, like, page six, line seven, this is what you're actually saying. So he knows what, what to say. To yeah. Use to so he he always knows what he's, what he's saying. saying. Do you know what's really interesting? Because I know a lot of people always take the piss because they're like, "Oh, Vin Diesel got paid a fuck ton of money to stand there and say I am Groot like thirty times." He recorded "I am Groot" in like twelve different languages. Yeah, he does all the he does dubbing. all of the different yeah, versions. He does all the voice. He dubs. did yeah. the voice for it. Yeah, and I know. Everyone's like, oh, he just says I am Groot. Like he doesn't though. Like there's a like actual emotion behind each different I am Groot. To say as a character that says three words, Groot mm-hmm. is a very, 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 very emotionally advanced character. Mm-hmm. And he says, "We are Groot." We are in Groot in the first movie. He does when he's dying. Yeah, when he's um, when he saves all of them. Yeah, and he does all the little like ah, noises that he does. Groot. Yeah, because there's that bit at the beginning. <laughs> There's the bit at the beginning of the first movie when he's dancing to Mr. Blue Sky the when they're fighting one. the creature. See, sorry, the second one. He's fight, they're fighting that creature. And he's, he chases after the little ones. Yeah. And then also when Drax lands, he knocks over the little thing playing the music and he's fucking hitting Drax in the shoulder. He's like, ah! Yeah. And that's my, my favourite, like, I think my favourite Groot scene of all time is in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And it's when that on the Ravager ship and rockets in the prison cell <laughs> and he keeps asking him to go and get the stuff and he keeps coming back with like different things he's got an eye at one point he's got a toe he's got he pulls that fucking dirty great big desk across the fucking thing yeah. and he's got a hat and he's like what would you do with a hat and he's like rocket saying to him he's like no you don't suit hats like you can't wear a hat <laughs> do you know what my favorite Groot scene is <clears throat> i am Groot. I am Groot. Oh, it's the bit when he's telling him about Groot. the button. No! Don't press the button. Yeah. Try again. I am Groot. I am Groot. I am Groot. Yeah, it's the bit with the button in the It's so funny. Movie. And then also, I think it's the closing of the second film as well, where him and Star-Lord are sat listening to Father and Son together. Yeah, that's It's just a really scene. cute scene. Yeah, because he's like, he's like sat on his shoulder, isn't he? And mm-hmm. they've got like one headphone in each and they listen to the Cat Stevens <clears throat> yeah, because he was Cat Stevens at the time before he became Yusuf Islam um, version of Father and Son. Yeah, that's a really cute scene. 
I also really like the scene at the end of the first movie where he like shelters them all and he like lights up all the blossoms mm -hmm. before he says we are Groot when he dies, which I think is quite cute. Yeah, me and me and Simon have a lot of emotion about we are about Groot. I think he is by far one of our favourite Marvel characters together. I have with I can see in my room seven different Groot Funko Pops from here. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got a giant life size one over there that's the same size as the one from Groot. Five Okay, I see six. I'm missing one somewhere. I think there's one down there as well. Because um, I've got the potted the potted dancing one. I've got two of the angry ones. I've got a mossy one. I've got an Infinity War one where he's got the gun. There's a baby one down there as well next to the, the next to the that one there. So there's a regular one. Two. A baby one. Angry one. Mossy one. Plant one. Oh, there he is, teenage Groot. Yeah, teenage Groot. And then I've got a fabrication, and I've got one that's exactly the same. He's life size to how he is in the second movie. Yeah. Yeah. You have a lot of Groot stuff. We love. We do. We to be fair, we are huge Groot fans. So. So yeah, he would be my second favorite alien. Mine as well. So that worked out quite well. Yeah. So my number one should come as absolutely no surprise to. Anybody? Well, it shouldn't because you kicked it back earlier. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's the xenomorph, of which I can see one of those as well mm -hmm. from here. Uh, I could see I can see one there. Yeah, on mm -hmm. his phone, texting, walking his face hugger. There's a queen alien down there as well. Um, I fucking love the xenomorph for a lot of different reasons. So I first and foremost love the design of the xenomorph by the amazing HR Giga. I love all the different types of xenomorph. So I love the the giant xenomorphs. I love the queen alien. I love the face huggers, which I guess are a form of xenomorph. I don't know if they're a separate species. I wouldn't assume so because they come from the eggs and they put the xenomorphs in people. The so. face huggers. Yeah, so they they must. I'd be assume from the they're same babies. Yeah. Xenomorphs, aren't they? Uh, they're not babies. Don't they they have like, too many legs, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they they are a part of the the xenomorph species. I always thought they were baby xenomorphs. Did you know that? Mm. And then obviously, like you've got the chest bursters. Mm -hmm. I think the design of them, first and foremost, is incredible. I think the way that they look, uh, they're very unique. Um, they're also mm -hmm. very. Uh, it's a weird thing to say. They're very erotic looking, mm -hmm. which you would expect from Giga. They're very they're very sexual. They um, are. But they're also, as they say in the film, they're the perfect killing machine. Mm -hmm. They were bioengineered to basically, from what Prometheus explains, they were bioengineered to be dropped on planets and wipe out what's on there so that people could like mine the planet. The thing I love about the Xenomorphs, though, is without other species, they have no reason to exist. They are a parasitic race of aliens without hosts. They cannot exist, mm -hmm. which I find fascinating. Um, so I don't know what happens when they go to a planet and wipe it out. Do they? They would. I would imagine ecologically they would just die. <coughs> but also, I just find like the fact that they look metallic. They look like they were. They look bioengineered. They do. They have the two jaws. They have the acid blood. Um, but I also like the hierarchy of them and how it's like similar to bees and ants. Like you have the queen. You have who lays the eggs. You have the worker ones. You have like the soldier ones. Yeah, they're kind of set out very much like a ants. Yeah, or a bee. Or colony. bees. Yeah. Yeah, like 
Because in it, they and they establish this in Aliens, where you've got like the ones that will stand and protect the Queen, who's given birth to the aliens. Then you've got like, the, as we said, the face huggers, and you've got the chest bursters. But then it also goes one step further in Alien Three, and they explain that they take on the physiology of whatever they bust out of. Uh. So you see xenomorphs, and they're on their hind legs because, generally speaking, they come out of humans, so take on human characteristics. But then there's two scenes in Alien 3, one where it comes out of an ox and one where it comes out of a dog, mm. depending on which cut of the movie you see. And the dog one actually runs, it's brown, it's more of a brown colour, and it runs on its all fours like a dog and takes on the characteristics of a dog. So, And I, I feel like that's one area that they've not really explored with the aliens, is this idea that they do take on the characteristics of whatever they come out of. Um, they did it. They did a toy range in the early '90s, which showcased like different ones. There were like ones that were red, green, purple. There was like a bull alien. They had like different characteristics to the toys. Um, they did an alien cartoon, which I don't think went very far. And obviously, in the video games, they've explored different versions and in the comics as well. Um, but yeah, for me, I think they're like the ultimate alien. When you say to someone, "Alien." Like, you think of two things. You think of the little greys or greens, or you think of a xenomorph. Uh-huh. Xenomorph is such an iconic alien. Even if you've never seen an alien film, or read an alien comic, or played an alien video game, or anything like that, if somebody shows you a picture of a xenomorph, you know exactly what it is. And I think that, considering that movie's like over 40 years old, 45 years old, like, for something to still be that iconic... And even though they've kind of driven it a bit into the ground over the years and certain people have done different designs of them. So, like, if you look at um, Ridley Scott's version in the original film, the the top of the skull is translucent and you can see the human skull stretched out underneath it. Whereas if you look at James Cameron's ones, he takes the top off and it's all skull and, like, bone underneath. It's, like, black bone and it's all exposed. Then, like, in Alien 3, they look different. In Alien Resurrection, they look different. Um, so I think the fact that you can kind of do these slight remodels to them and they still look as iconic and as interesting as from the original film. Um, yeah, I just think they're one of the most versatile and iconic looking creatures in film and pop culture history, which is why they're my number one. I think that you are correct. Sorry, I got a slight distracted trying to look at like the genetics behind xenomorphs. So basically xenomorphs give birth to egg... Face huggers. Mm-hmm. Face huggers implant chest bursters and chest bursters become full grown xenomorphs. Yeah. Seems like a really difficult, like, they didn't, they didn't go with an easy, like, life cycle, life cycle did <laughs> no. they? They went, let's make this difficult. Like, you're trying to make the perfect weapon, guys. Why don't you make it easy yeah. to make? Yeah. Fucking laying eggs to birth something that's going to implant the baby. It's fucking <laughs> weird. God damn it, guys. Okay, so my number one. I don't know if you... Do you know what my number one is? I have no idea. You have no idea? I feel like anyone... Oh, I feel like... Actually, now that you've said it, I know what you're going to... I actually know exactly what you're going to say. What do you think my number one you're is? You're going to say be? David Bowie from The Man Who Fell to Earth. No, but I should have. Mm. The Doctor. Why did you not see that coming? Well, I didn't really think about it, because I never really think of the Doctor Who as being an alien, but I guess they are, aren't they? The Doctor is an alien. The Doctor is a Time Lord. Yeah. He's technically a Gallifreyan. Well, 
depends because in the Jodie Whittaker version, he's not a Time Lord. Apparently, he's a fucking Time Child. He's a fucking clone or some shit. Yeah, it's true. But according to original canon, before they fucked it up with whatever happened last season, uh, the Doctor is a Time Lord of the planet Gallifrey. Um, I should have just had Gallifreyans in general because Gallifreyans have a really fun near history, but I'm not going to do a Gallifreyan history lesson for y'all. That would be weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the Doctor. I didn't get into Doctor Who until the reboot when we had Grumpy Northern Doctor. Chris Freckleston. Thank you. Cunt. Chris Freckleston. And then I've basically watched it religiously since Chris Freckleston took over. Um... I have a favourite Doctor, like, I adore the show, and I think it's one of the most interesting aliens on TV, because consistently changes forms, Mm -hmm. and we've just had our first female Doctor, and also during the season we found out about a past Doctor we didn't previously know about, who not only was female, but was also black. Mm -hmm. Um, We've had 20 bajillion grumpy old men play Doctor Who. Um, and hey. I just love him. Hello, man. I'm still waiting for the doctor to become a ginger cat. I'm just saying. I mean, the doctor would quite like to be ginger at this point. I think somebody needs to make that happen. I would like the the cat, the the, the cat doctor, like a ginger. No, cat because all I'll think about is Jonesy, a fucking cat man. And the little cat's got a scarf on, and he's like running around. Sure. The TARDIS has got a litter tray in it. It's <laughs> sure. fucking hilarious. But yeah, no, the Doctor, I, I love the story of the Doctor. I always, ever since I got into the show, I've been really into it. And um, there's a great line in The Doctor's Wife uh, that is, because um, it's always like, oh, he stole a TARDIS and he ran away. And there's a great line where the TARDIS is like, I stole you. Mm-hmm. You're my doctor. I stole you and ran away. Yeah, and I love. He, aren't they married to the TARDIS? Isn't the TARDIS no. the doctor's wife? No. So there's an the episode where we meet the actual human embodiment of the TARDIS was written by Neil Gaiman, and that yeah, episode yeah. is called The Doctor's Wife because there's a repeated joke about him calling her sexy in it, which mm-hmm. is what he calls her when they're alone. Um, and there's a great line from Amy in that episode as well, where she just goes, "Did you wish?" really really hard I mean in fairness Doctor Who does look like the type of, type of geezer that would fuck a phone box so <laughs> well she's not a phone box also just to let you all know I do refer to the TARDIS of a girl she's not actually a phone box so she's a type 40 TARDIS but her chameleon circuit broke when they came to Earth so she's trapped in that form because the Doctor's never fixed the chameleon circuit it's theorised he can, but he refuses to because he likes how she looks as the police box. So she should uh, make herself look acceptable for whatever environment she's in, but she's stuck as a police box. Man's, <laughs> man's out here trying to fuck phone boxes, guys. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I love your face then as I start talking about Type 40 TARDIS and you're like, what the fuck? Who did I marry? Yeah. I can tell you the entire history of Gallifrey from its formation into how it became to how they became time lords because Gallifreyans could not travel in time. Okay. Good talk. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like I'm a massive like I think it's one of those things I don't talk about Doctor Who very often. Um but I am a massive Doctor Who fan and I have been since I was quite young because the show came back 
2000s. When I was like, yeah, 11. I hit the perfect age to watch Doctor Who as the show came back. And my dad got me into it. Mm -hmm. There's not many things me and my dad share. It's this and Stargate. I think Doctor Who's one of those things, man. Like, I like Doctor Who, but I think, it, it, for me, it vastly depends on who's playing the Doctor. Mm-hmm. <coughs> because, and everyone has a favourite. Everyone has a Doctor. Yeah, like, I, will, I, I won't watch the show religiously. I will dip in and out of it, depending on who's playing it. You die on Tenant, don't you? Yeah, I like Tenant. I like Whitaker. I like Smith. I hated Eccleston. I hated uh, Capaldi. I was indifferent to Smith, because I just find Smith a bit much sometimes. Like, just generally as an actor, I find him a bit much. I love Smith. Um, I liked Jodie Whittaker. I feel she got a raw deal. She though. got a really raw My deal. My favorite Doctor of all time, though, is Paul McGann. Like, as yeah, the eighth Doctor. Do you know what? Actually, I say I was watching the reboot. That's not true. Paul McGann was my first yeah. ever Doctor because Paul my McGann, dad showed me the film when I was a yeah, kid. Yeah, he did the American film where Eric Roberts plays the Master. master yeah. Um, and I love, I love Paul McGann. I love the fact that they brought him back briefly to bridge the gap in the sixth, the fiftieth anniversary, mm-hmm. because it shows you how he went from being eight to the war doctor to nine um and there's like a little thing that the bbc did it's about 10 minutes it shows you him changing into the war doctor yes. and then obviously the war doctor was played by john hurt and they meet him in well, the 50th anniversary rumors whispering around because obviously we're coming up to the 60th next year yeah of uh tenant and smith are both coming back again apparently yeah they want to well there's rumours that Tennant's coming back full time, but That's I don't know how happening. true they are. But He's they coming want... back for a radio show, apparently. But they though. were saying that it's going to be they want Tennant, Smith, and Eccleston. Whether and... they actually get Eccleston, I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. But yes, yeah, so that's my uh, my top five aliens. Yeah. That's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's our top five aliens in popular culture. What do you guys think? Do you agree with our? Lists? Do you not agree with our lists? I know, guys, I know. It's a real shame that I left Gonzo the amazing chicken off of there from the Muppets. But, hey, come find us on social media at So So I Married a Horror Fan on Tumblr and Instagram. All one word, all lowercase. S-I-M-A-H-F pod on Twitter. Uh, Don't forget to come share your thoughts. If you agree or disagree with our list, we always like to hear from you guys. Thank you once again for your continued support. It means a lot to us. Don't forget, also, we dropped our episode on Event Horizon this week. That came out on Monday. Next week's episode will be on the Danny Boyle 2007 sci-fi horror Sunshine. So look out for that. That will be dropping on the 9th of May. As always, guys, stay spooky, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and we'll see you in the next episode. Take care. Bye.